Episode number 51, and with me is Nut Up Nick. What's up? And also, you, well, you, you didn't think I read shit, did you? You don't think I pay, pay attention to Facebook, do you? I thought that you were off in Plankerville. I was, dude, and I still I still check out Facebook. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, that's because you were with Plankers, and it sucked. <laughs> also with us, Justin. We need to come up with a good nickname for Justin. You do, man. Absolutely. What's up, guys? That's Justin. <laughs> it just loses its effect after the first time. What can I say? Justin yeah. Pucci. You chooch. How's it going? Oh, you know. It's going. <laughs> oh, you know. So here's the deal. Jake's not with us tonight because I had a fun fly to go to. And we didn't get our recording done earlier in the week. And it's Sunday night. And of course, you know, the time difference is great. Jake, it's like, I don't know, four in the morning where he is. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> so he couldn't make it. So we got on the phone hurriedly and called Justin, who uh, doesn't really work. So he, of course, had all kinds of free time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's he sitting around waiting for Dan to call. Well, he goes, he goes in, right? But he plays Pong or something like that all day. Pong, Tetris. Huh? <laughs> well. Tetris. So as as uh, Nick mentioned, I was at a Planker Fun Fly, and I'm going to talk in great detail about that. But first, Nick, you've been posting pictures on Facebook left and right, dude. What's going on? I know. I've had kind of a busy week. It's been fun. Yeah? Yeah, I did. I got 700, the nitro all put back together with fuel bladder in there, Um Huge shout out. Thank you, Skookum. Got my two SK540 fly barless units showed up this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I, my 700E did not show up this week. Um, <clears throat> so to the gentleman who was supposed to be sending that to me, uh, uh, yeah. You want, the, you want I should list. take care of him for you? Yeah. You want to uh, want me just to uh, take care of him for you? <laughs> he goes sleeping with the fishes. Nitro and have been flying, but it's just been quite eventful. My skills got tested every time I went out this yeah. week and weekend. Yeah. I saw I've some I saw some pictures of a of a tail control rod. Yeah, that was totally my fault. Uh-huh. Tell tell <laughs> us explain to the class what it is you did. Mr. Digging in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like that? Well, do you see that's part of my teaching theory is that I will you teach, know, I by mistake. teach people what's the correct way, but then I need to give examples uh-huh. on what uh-huh. is the not correct way. So, right. you know, on all, 
on the other fly baller systems that I've flown, you're setting up your mechanical neutral on the tail with a couple degrees of pitch in there. Well, I was going through the uh, the very nicely and informative and simple laid out wizard on the SK540, the setup wizard. Mm-hmm. And it says, okay, at this step, set up, make sure your servo horn is 90 degrees, and then go back and put zero degrees of pitch in the tail blade. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I'm definitely going to have to lengthen my tail rod. Okay, here's the first mistake. If you are going to lengthen a rod and there is any, and I repeat, any question of how far you are getting out on the threads, go all the way out, then back in. If I would have done that, I would have noticed that I would have been hanging on (laughs) by about two threads. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. In my defense... The, act, the Align rod is the carbon fiber tail rod for the 700. It's not long enough to do that. Okay. Like, it's simply just not long enough. Um, so I had to kind of compensate a little bit. And yeah, so that made for a very interesting. I was over, you know, maybe 20 feet out, about 30 feet up, just tossing the thing around, having a blast. And all of a sudden, it weird one. It did one of those, like, oh, there goes the tail. Oh, no, wait, there it is. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, what? Huh? <laughs> Who's flying this thing? Um, oh, shit. This is good. <laughs> but it was it was still relatively flat. So I went, okay, I'm, I'm inverted, but I'm level. I'm not going to hit throttle hold yet. I'm just going to sit here and let it start that spin. Because once it gets that death spin going, that's when it gets fun. Right. But... I can pyro flip the death spin. So I let it just kind of sit there. And then all of a sudden there it started. Um, got a pyro flip back over, then hit throttle hold. And just kind of did this real nice half pirouetting, half weather veining type auto. And ironically, landed right there at my feet. So, I so was there a moment there side. where you realized, oh, nice. It's spinning in the right direction, as in the direction I can pyro flip. <laughs> yeah, because if it would have been going the other way, oh, it would have been ugly. Because when oh, I saw that, that off. was the first thing I thought. I said, you know, it would be me flipping the coin and my luck, it would be pirouetting to the right and I'd be screwed. Yeah, I can't mix that. I can't. I'm just starting to work on reversals. So it would have been ugly. It would have been ugly no matter which way it was for me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But you I got mean, it you back down in one it piece, right? It, all you got to do is punch it out, center all your sticks, and just roll one way and then work with it. Well, you know, I had something kind of similar to that happen with the 700, the first flight. I didn't Loctite the bushing on the tail slider. Oh. Ooh. And I was about 10 feet off the ground, and I just started pirouing, but I was, you know, I just hit throttle hold, and it just gently came down. <laughs> so. Nice. Well, to, to, to add to dumbass moves that result in pirouetting autos, um, I was setting up a buddy's logo once, and it was really late. It's like 2 o'clock in the morning. I decide I need to go and test it out really quick, uh, get it spooled up, um, pop it off the ground, and out of nowhere it starts spinning full, uh, full rudder. And it turns out that um, I forgot to pop the link on at the tail slider. <laughs> uh-huh. Always Freezes. exciting. So you tested some blades this week as well. Oh man. Yeah. Are we That's gonna go into depth about that later in the show or you want to talk about that now? We can go let's 
Uh, we can go a little bit. Well, no, let's get that out of the way. All right. Because there's some other things I want to talk about. But um, so, yeah, what I ended up with was um, only three sets because I wanted to do all the same size and a couple other ones fell through that I was hoping to get or borrow. Um, I had the SAB 690s, the Edge SE fly barless blades, the 693s, and the Rail 696s. Um, so what I did is I did three-minute flights. Um, so I've only been running about 1950 on the head on his Goblin because it, it actually it flies great at 1950. And I think when you get the head speed down a little bit lower, you can really feel the characteristics on the blade a little bit better. It just has a little bit more of an impact. And the electric's going to give you the most consistent, I mean, just everything's going to be the most consistent. So it really kind of works best to, to do blade testing in that manner. Uh, so first I flew the SABs, you know, and I had a good feel for them, but I just kind of wanted to refresh it. Um, I went to the rails and then did the edges last. Um, let's see, the SABs, they've, they've got good pop. They're a wider cord blade. Uh, again, I've talked about it before. I'm not a fan. They're, they sound very inefficient, and they feel very inefficient on the on the collective. It's like they have pop, but they've got just kind of a really squishy, weird feel to them. They pull good once they get going, but they just feel kind of really squishy. They don't seem to lock in in the maneuvers very well. Um, you know, when you get into a real tight, fast hurricane or a funnel, I, I feel like I'm kind of just constantly correcting for them. And ironically, that's when you really start hearing all of that noise, that blade noise, is when you start loading them harder. They just they sound very kind of farty and waffy. Mm-hmm. And that's when I feel like I'm kind of fighting them a little bit more. Um, so jumping over to the... Actually, I'll go to the edges. The edges were not what I had expected out of the old edge blades these things were loud holy cow they were loud i mean like really really loud it was awesome i mean we were sitting out there today and everybody was like dude (laughs) it seriously sounded like a full-scale plane was flying around i'm like but i'm only spinning this thing at 1950 it's wow i mean they're just super super loud they got a ton of pop they're an aggressive blade and i know that that's what edge was going for with the se's was to aim a little bit more toward the smack pilot. Yeah. And, and they got it. I mean, they nailed it. They now, Nick, weren't. is it is it loud like blade farty loud? It's or like blade farty loud. It's just, it's loud in every way possible, except when you're in a hover and just kind of lightly cr- cruising around, they're really quiet. Like they're as quiet as the rail blades, which is kind of weird. And rail okay. blades are, are the quietest that I've flown yet. So it was kind of deceiving. I picked it up and just kind of, Sport flew it around for a second and I was like, whoa, didn't expect this because they were, you know, they were just so quiet. And the older edges, I always found had no real farty sound, but they barked. And when they barked, they barked with authority. Yeah. I mean, they yeah, just had exactly. a ton of tone to them when they, when they barked. This was not like that. This was just like super stealthy. And then you loaded them and it was just like noise from every direction. <laughs> All up in your shit. I mean, it was crazy. Nice. So um, TikTok sounded well. like a chainsaw. Yeah, they were just bah, 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 you know, and the and hurricanes, 
were, I mean, it was fun. I actually, I blew out the tail on the goblin because, <laughs> which by the way, nice. is not something you really want to do on a loaned goblin yeah. at about five feet off the ground. Because <laughs> it was, it was almost like, how hard can I load these things? I want to see how loud they'll get. So I was doing full collective hurricanes at about five feet. I mean, just tightening them and tightening them and tightening them, working that Scorpion motor. And then all of a sudden, it just boom, came around. And I was like, oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, they didn't, in high speed stuff, uh, I, I almost feel like what they gained in aggressiveness, they, locked, they lost in kind of that locked in feeling. The older edges always, for me, uh, locked in during, you know, like funnels and hurricanes better than any other blade that I had flown. Uh, they really just, they held a line very well. They were a very precise blade. This, you lost a little bit of that, but you definitely gained on the aggressiveness of it. All out smack pilot blades for sure. They're almost, they kind of remind me like a, of a Radix stick banger version of a fly barless blade. I was going to say, that's what it sounded like when you were describing them. Because yeah, the old edge blades were great for big air 3D, nice solid locked in. So these these aren't going to fill that role quite as well as what you're saying. Not, yeah, not quite as well. Uh, not Definitely not quite as well. There's still a fan... I mean, <laughs> just so everyone is very aware, all of these blades are fantastic. You really can't lose with any of these. I mean, they're all good. This is just getting down into personal preference. You know, what you, what you want to get out of the blade the most. Yeah. Um, jumping over to the rails... Uh, I had not flown the 696s before. I had flown the 606s in the past on my N5C. They were everything that I had remembered them to be. Um, I, these are going to be my all-around pick out of this batch. So, Matt, if you're listening, nice work. They track incredibly. A very efficient blade. They sound, they've just got such a smooth, graceful sound to them. Uh, they will talk back if you if you bark them, but there's not a lot. There's not much excess noise out of them. They seem to auto really well. They're just kind of a really good balance. Um, definitely not quite as aggressive on the collective as the Edge SEs um, or the SABs. Actually, it, it's there. It's just not super aggressive. They they don't have any kind of weird hesitation and then pull like the SABs did, um, but it's consistent. It's just not overly aggressive. Great, great all-around blade. I, I mean, if I was going to take and um, for my flying style, which is kind of a little bit of everything, I like to fly big and fast, but then I like to bring it down on the deck and kind of bounce it around a little bit on the deck. Um, this is probably the blade that I would, that I would go with out of these three. Um, I'd be curious... I was hoping to get a set of regular Radixes, but I've I've flown those a lot, so I've got a really, really good concept of it. They're just, yeah, they've got regular Radixes or wider cords, so they've got a lot of pop, very stable blade. Uh, you do have to watch. They will, you know, they'll bog a tad more because they are a little bit heavier and they are wider cord. But, uh, yeah, the rails takes it out of those. Nice. Sounds real good, man. You've been busy this week, dude. Oh, dude. I know. And it was all getting ready just for flying like this weekend. I went out Saturday and just, dude, I flew like a madman. 
all that blade testing uh, between yesterday and did some today. I got a gallon and a half through the 700 on Saturday. Only a gallon and a half? Nice. Yep. On the 540. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not going to dig into it too much yet on the Skookum guys because I'm, I'm going to just wait till I'm completely done. Uh, it, it's looking good, though. I'll give you a little hint. <laughs> I, I, I'm not taking it off tonight. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, and I'm really looking forward to if that freaking 700 ever gets here, the E. I want to get the electric governor tested. Everything's sitting there just waiting for it. So it was sweet. And then, yeah, today, as you saw on uh, on Facebook, my <laughs> my YS, apparently the big ones, decided to eat the little ones. <laughs> oh, man. And uh, I threw a rod today. <laughs> That is crazy. You're having all sorts of problems with rods. I know. It's and you know, I love this motor. We have such a love hate relationship. I, you know, I've flown OS before. I think they're consistent. They're good. But there's just something about these YSs that got a lot of torque, and I really like that. I like the tone in them, and I like the torque. I like the pump system on it, the regulator. I just, I really like them, but. I'm not going to lie. This is my second one in a row that I've thrown a connecting rod on. Hmm. Really? I hadn't heard about the first one. I got one keychain. Now I got two. And they <laughs> broke in different spots. This time, it tore it off. It tore it apart at the crank. And the other one, it broke it right up at the top of the connecting rod, right about where the piston skirt is, that level. Huh. And, you know, it's just, it's a bad, it's not like burning up a piston. I would have loved it if I would have just burned it up, but it's it's spotless. The glow plug looks brand new. The tune was dead on. Uh, the 540 governor, the nitro governor is just pulling, baby. It was, it was awesome, and I was flogging it, but it, only at 1950 on the head. Everything was all good. I'm just sitting there doing a four-point TikTok, having a great old time, smiling, that was it. Oh, damn. I know. Another auto. Come on. Dude, I don't think I'm going to let you fly any of my shit. <laughs> Apparently. But at I least you can save them. You got gremlins, that's, that, dude. That's all that counts. Yeah. I know, but they were, it's like, how can you have such an awesome flying weekend? I mean, everything was like, oh, you know, planets were aligning and things just flying awesome and I'm out there <laughs> testing stuff. It's great. And then, uh, yeah, just tear up my favorite motor. I like that motor. And I don't, unless someone puts a 91 or a 105 HDR, I just, on my desk, I don't think I'm ready to to try them yet. Yeah. Like, I, I really want to give YS that shot. I'm, I'm hesitant on the 120. I don't particularly really feel like, like buying a new pipe and everything right now. Right. Um, been talking with Leon Luke a little bit about the the 91 Turek edition. There is actually a fair amount different with that one. So I want it to work, but this this YS plague of the connecting rod thing, and I'd be lying if I didn't know that there's been many other people that yeah, have had that happen. that's true. You've been hearing about it, it quite a bit lately. Yeah, and I want them to get it figured out. The YS, come on, guys. This is like that's the one hitch. I mean, this thing was dialed, and then it does that. So it, it just, it sucks. I mean, it was like, now I got to order a motor tonight. Come on, man. Yeah. 
so no backup motor. Uh, no. Well, I'm going to have one now because I'm just going to go <laughs> buy another one, probably call up Mandy and uh, get rid of that motor we were talking about. Last week, I, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, last week Dan said something about that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I'm not going to rebuild this one this time because uh, it's it's not that old. Um, I, I'm a little disturbed by it. It kind of bothers me. So I'm just going to ship it, pull it out, take the pipe off, ship it as is to YS. And have them answer why. I don't want to tear it apart. I don't want to touch it. I just—I mean, I want to get back in the air for everyone on these reviews. And, and I'll just let them deal with it. And then I will have, I'll have a backup when it comes back. Yeah, that's that's probably a good idea. That They, they might be able to tell you if there was something else in the works, like uh, defective material or whatever. Tis the... Is the game that we play. It is. The intros, man. You just, you deal with it. It is what it is. Yeah. Justin, what have you been up to since uh, last week, man? You been doing any uh, flying this week? This week hasn't been a flying week. This has been a wrenching week. I've been flying vicariously through Nick. Yeah. uh, Talking to him at night and uh, uh, over texts on all the different testing that he's got going on. Um, And what I've been working on really is getting my uh, Whiplash Electric set up. Yeah. Uh bought that used locally, so um getting that cleaned up, um getting it all set up and ready for the uh heli command testing. Yeah. We got confirmation from Nick that uh that's in the mail. So we're gonna be getting that fly barless system put on mine and uh testing it alongside the five forty that Nick's been working on. Uh I also sold my five hundred finally. That one was probably one of the more frustrating ones, I'll tell you, um, in recent times. When I say reasonable offers, guys, I don't mean something that's like a quarter <laughs> of my asking price. I, I uh, have to, I have to ask you something. Yeah, go for it, man. You know, I just, I'm just curious. Do you have a vinyl picture of Nick above your bed? No, I do not. <laughs> do you want to borrow mine? Actually, you know what? <laughs> I feel really I, awkward here. <laughs> Just to let everyone know. Well, I, I, I Nick's got really a vinyl awkward. of Bert above his. Absolutely, dude. I've seen it. There yeah. you go. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, sure. I'll borrow it. Why not? I'll yeah. put it in the in the in the nursery for the new baby. <laughs> oh, I got the goblin in one hand and my oh, oh yeah, never yeah. Mind. Let's, okay. let's leave that one alone. All righty. Well, I'm gonna tell you guys. Um, about my weekend but before I do that I think maybe we should go into some news okay do you got some news Nick I think that we could probably so Dan uh, we've been talking a lot about nitros I'm thinking I might want to get one. Oh yeah what are you thinking about I was thinking about that Velocity N2 yeah that's a that sounds like a pretty good helicopter you know Bert's been making a lot of great changes over there in particular that main gear a lot of people were complaining about they've got a new one so i I think if you take a close look at that helicopter i think you might find product that you really like there man sweet i'll check it out outrage n2 available at a hobby shop near you Alrighty, guys this week's news is brought to you by helidaily.com your daily rc helicopter news magazine what do you got there, nut up, Nick? All right. So first up, uh, Compass has a new uh, for the seven HV a tail upgrade kit released. Finally, finally, this thing has been marginally plagued with tail problems, and it looks like they got it all sorted out. Yeah. It's got 
all sorts of new little giblets and bits in it. So I know they went to a larger tail output shaft, new drive pulley, grips. I mean, uh, 90 degree bell arm, the whole deal. So all of you 7HV owners, I think it's about 100 bucks for the whole kit. Sounds kind of steep, but when you really look at the picture on what you're getting, I can understand it because um, it's like everything. So that one dude, Jesse, that bought a 7HV, you're, uh-huh. you're, uh, you, you now have a new tail upgrade there. Just, just yep. let, letting you know, dude. <laughs> that one guy has got it. <laughs> they also have um, their helical, uh, helical main gear, whole auto hub, the whole chili dog. They got that all um, out now too. So not going to lie. That's you get the tail deal all straightened away with that helical gear on there, belt driven. It's gonna be a sweet one. There's only one problem. It's a compass. Yeah, yeah I know. It's a compass. It's a compass. Oh well. You know, you know, I was not gonna lie, I was very, very close to getting one. I'd have never let you live that down. Yes, you were. And I almost got one just out of spite. <laughs> For you, Dan. I mean, we, we tried, but unfortunately, uh, they they just couldn't quite make it happen. So, sorry, Compass, I tried. Um, yeah, it is what it is. I would have loved it, and I would have just talked about it every day, Dan, just for you. I got, got a, a mute button, you know. Compass tattoo See? on my ass. See, there's a mute button in action. See there? Silence. <laughs> See that? See how that works? Yeah. yeah. Okay, uh-huh. so this is big. This is big in my opinion. The TSA. You know, they finally got all of their production issues figured out. I, I know that, that that was the big deal, um, kind of in just overhearing what Nigel Brown was talking about. It, they were just having production issues. Where are we going to get this thing built? You know, trying to get everything priced correctly. I know they, I'm pretty sure that they got a bunch of machines themselves that screw you guys we don't want to rely on other people now they're really banging these things out they have just released at the german heli masters um there's pictures of the tsa 700 gasser oh yeah really and yeah and this thing it looks pretty sick um i think it's awesome because now so here's you know again just like miniature aircraft did with the whiplash, which is, you know, they finally took a gasser motor and put, <laughs> they put it in a real helicopter. <laughs> Unlike other companies have not done, they put it in a heli that's capable of being whooped on. And it, this is exactly what TSA did. I mean, they took a, a model that they have an electric, they've got a nitro, you know, they're still just about ready to be released, but they've been testing these things forever. If they have problems, it's a fail on there and because well, they've been testing them long enough. Let me give you a counterpoint to that. Okay. So the difference, I think, and this is completely my opinion. See, what Miniature Aircraft did is they took, they took a concept and built a gasser around it. They took the gasser concept and then modified it to work for Nitro and Electric. So it was a gasser first. I mean, that's that was the concept. If yeah. you look at other manufacturers, and RJX in particular, they had... <laughs> okay, so they took their 90 Nitro, essentially, right? And they just put an extra bolt here and an extra bolt there and tried to slap a CRRC 
uh, 26cc gas motor in it, and it didn't work. It just doesn't work because you can't take a platform that's designed around a nitro machine and expect it to work in a gasser. It can work the other way because of the requirements of a gasser engine. Mm-hmm. So I guess I have a little hesitation if I hear that a company is taking one of their electric or nitro birds and adapting it to gasser. And see, I don't know. For the record, I don't know if there was an order in which they did it. For all any of us know, because these TSAs, I mean, they've been in prototype for, I mean, literally like years. Yeah. Uh, um, it, it could have been an even Steven deal. Marketing purposes, generally speaking, because of popularity, you're always going to release your electric first, your nitro second, then your gas for last. That's, I mean, miniature aircraft did it. And, and we all know there's that gasser, that miniature aircraft gasser is probably, I, I'm almost going to venture to say the best design gasser in the market now, period. Yeah. Or the, if you want to 3D it, and, and beat it up and toss it around. So TSA has a huge, huge hurdle to overcome. But I do like the trend. I like the trend that companies that are, are making, you know, competitively, competitive, 3D competitive built models in electric and nitro format are also, you know, seeing and recognizing um, the popularity that the gassers are growing and that the engines are getting so much more capable in the gasser market. So I think it's really cool. They're not gasser helicopters really anymore. You know, these old, we're just going to sport fly it and put it. The airframes are built to be beat on in the more recent models like the Min Air. So, I, you know, if they get it right, great. I, it's going to be tough. They've got some big, big shoes to try and fill no. with Min Air. Oh, yeah. But but it's nothing but good for the gasser community because again, like you said, Nick, it's it's one of those things where in the past I think most of the mainstream heli people have viewed gassers as that sort of old fogey heli. It's yeah. slow, it's heavy, it can't perform, you can't 3D it, you're gonna sport fly it, it's boring. You know, you can't get any power out of it. Um, it's just there for cheap fuel and scale. Yeah. Um and that's not the case anymore. No, if it so, was so good on TSA for trying it out. Let's see how it goes. This ain't your mama's gasser. <laughs> no, <laughs> sir. That is right. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so KDE has out now their universal motor and pinion support for the 700E V2 series. Um, the reason they came out with this is um, not sure if everybody's aware, but Align released a helical cut auto rotation gear mm-hmm. and and front torque tube tail drive that increases the tail ratio. It's up to about 4.9 to 1. Finally recognizing the voice of us mere mortals who do not fly at 2300 with our 700. Or more. So, Thank you. Yeah, or more. So, but what what has to happen is because of such a large gear ratio change on the tail um, even on the on the factory model, you have to put a different pinion support in to clear that auto rotation gear. So now KDE kind of went back; they redid their motor mount, and it, it's I mean it's so much better than the stock one because it's all completely adjustable. You can get your mesh just completely dialed in. So yeah, rather than go buy the helical cut and then buy the Align one, just get the KDE one and be done because then you can adjust it to anything. 
Uh, let's see. So the Almighty Logo 700 Extreme Combo has officially been released. A mere $6,000. Get out your wallet, <laughs> sell your children, rob from your neighbors if you need to. Oh, my God. <laughs> How much is it? What's the price? Okay. So first I have to, before I indulge the price, I have to tell you what's actually in it. All right. Then, wait, wait, wait. So you'll tell us, and then Justin and I will we'll each take a guess, and you'll tell us who wins. Okay. Yeah, let's do I don't it. No, that's fair. So it's got uh, it's got a YG one hundred and sixty in it. I do believe I'm trying to make sure I I got to get all just I got to get this yeah get dead the facts the right, dude. Come on now. So this, I don't I so I don't screw this. This is all serious up. business here. This is business. I mean, there's there's <laughs> wagering involved. That's here. right. And of course, I'm having a slow website. So we've got. The 4525-520 Ultimate Edition Scorpion Extreme Edition. So was it the YGE? Yes, um, yes it does okay. have the YGE right. 160HV in it. All right, okay. We've got the Silver Line V-Bar with 5.3. Okay. 713 Edge Blade, 115 Edge Tails, which I find very interesting, by the way, that they're just automatically going with 115s. I was going to say the same exact thing. That is yeah. interesting to me. Hopefully they put the tail up high enough and a long enough tail fin on it where you're not destroying them every time you do an auto. Sorry, I'm a little bitter about that. Um, <laughs> so, so hold yeah, on, the motor, was, motor. A, was a Scorpion 4525 limited Don't edition? Don't be Googling shit now. Ultimate. 4525 520 Ultimate Edition. The Ultimate, okay. Yeah, that's that's the bad boy. YG160, so you're dealing with... Uh, with the uh, the V bar gov on the YGE, it's got the V bar in it, and you've got blade, no servos, and then whatever your receiver you know system is that you're gonna be. Mm-hmm. So, All right. what do we? Uh, where do you think? Where do you think we're at? Okay, hold on. Let's establish some rules here, Dan. Are we going prices right? <laughs> the closest without going over. Yep. Sure. Why not? Sounds All right, good. Let's do it. All right. I say thirty one fifty. All right, I am gonna say twenty three ninety nine. <laughs> You're so full of crap. I think we have a cheater amongst us. Did you cheat? No, dude. Was I right? You are dead on. Well, hell yeah, bitch. You that means you win an extra hundred bucks. Hey, no, I was adding the stuff up in my head. No, oh, see, I'm I no said good with numbers. Nine hundred for the kit. 300 for the uh, ESC, 400 for the motor. Wait, 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 say? wait. No, 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 no. for the V-Bar, and then I threw some shit in there for the blades. You know, they kick your ass out of Las Vegas for counting cards, right? You have an unfair advantage over me. <laughs> yeah. Score. You deal with numbers every day. You live <laughs> nerd. On 23.99. Are, are you shitting me, Nick? 23.99 and 99 cents. Oh. I, you know what? I call foul. <laughs> I we do. Hmm. Yeah. That's well, that's actually not as bad as I would have thought, obviously. <laughs> but it's I mean, yeah, the kit. So the cool part is is they got the kit down around the $1000 mark, which was what, you know, we all claimed that was the big one. Can you get this competitively priced with the Goblin, with the Whiplash, with the 700E, with all the rest of these models, you know, the E7 can you get it around that thousand nine hundred thousand dollar mark? And they did it. Now, 
Well, so hold on. So the kit is like 900 bucks alone if you don't want to buy it with all that other stuff? Oh, no. See, that's the other side of this, which is where they hugely failed and they don't let you buy the kit. Oh, come on. Yep. And, and dude, I mean, we know how logos are sold. They will eventually. I yeah, know they will true. eventually. But their initial release is the whole package deal where you, you know, would have to go have members of your family work the corner to pay for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Put on your hooker boots. That's right. That's I'm wearing right. them right now, man. Come on. Yeah. He's ready. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Dan's like, oh, I got it. I got I'm this. Uh, <laughs> you don't even have to work as hard as you thought, man. Thirty-one hundred. <laughs> I know that's like. Oh yeah, that's like so, two um, less Johns, man. <laughs> Congratulations, uh, Kenny Co. for winning the Align Cup. So nice work, dude. Align had their fun fly mm-hmm. over there, and uh, did you guys see that funny video? Yes. Correct. Yeah. Watching the wrong helicopter. Yeah, yep. that's uh, that was great. Yeah. yeah. That's it happened shit. over there. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. So uh, Nick Maxwell has an awesome little one tank tip video out right now on Pero Flips. Uh, so if you're looking to kind of maybe start divulging into Pero Flips or, or trying to, you know, move up from just the half Pero Flips, getting into doubles and working on Pogo, Pero Logo or Pogos, that sort of video, check that out. Pretty cool video. They did a nice work on that. This one's pretty cool. Um, I know that there have been companies way back in the past that tried this. Um, there is a company that is going to, they've got this little module now with a battery attached to it <laughs> that plugs into the trainer port on your Futaba that allows you to fly micro spectrum find and fly helicopter. Oh, no shit. Yeah, wow, so like that's all, all cool. the people who fly Futaba that are, you know, cringing every time that they have to pick up their DX5 or the DX6i <laughs> that they got with all these busted little blade helis, now they can actually use their Futaba. It's a little weird the way that they do it. You have to like, you need to order the version required that you want. Then you need to send this company a DX4 or DX5. They extract the transmitter module from it. Oh, and then seriously? They, yeah, I didn't say it was like, you know, it's, it's a little sketch, but that's all right. And then they build this whole deal and they like put a little battery on Jesus it. Jesus Christ, how much does that cost, man? I mean. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. It's it's all hush hush. When yeah. you have to talk to Yvonne. When you get on the <laughs> Uh, you talk to Joey in the back. He'll get you fixed up. Yeah, talk to Ivan. <laughs> Ivan, I don't know. I don't know what you mean. Customer service. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Okay, that's it. We're good on the news. Sweet. Alrighty, guys. This week's news has been brought to you by HeliDaily.com, your daily RC helicopter news magazine. This is Pinion for HeliPros.com. You know, sometimes Pinion is out practicing his low-altitude crop circles, or maybe even some low-altitude smack, with a little 3D thrown in for good measure. Or maybe even an epic skid bump, and things go awry. And I break a part, or two, on my precious heli. That is when I need helipros.com to come through for me, because not only do they have great prices, but they have the parts in stock and can deliver them quickly. 
so that I can get back in the air as quickly as possible. And for this, Pinion is eternally grateful. Remember, my friends, Helipros fly hard because Helipros has the parts. Yes. So, fun flies. Hella. Planker. Fun flies. Needed. So I, I I did some. Um, it was more of a research weekend than a fun fly weekend for me. Yeah. I, I didn't realize that's what it was going to be, but that's what it turned out to be. And you know, we started our. Well, we t- tried to start it. I did get one email from one listener uh, about our damn dirty planker segment. Only one email. Isn't that weird? I would have thought we would have got a lot more. I would too. So don't be I shy. I was expecting guys. more as well. Don't be shy. Fill us in. But so, you know, oftentimes, you know, Nick brought up a good point. We were talking about the the um, the rim gassers, you know, the run rider gasser guys that constantly bicker back and forth. Mm-hmm. Brought up the point that, the you know, they're older. And so, generally speaking, that, that means that they probably were plankers at one time. And so, they yep. kind of, that crotchiness <laughs> came with them. So, here's what I've come to i think realize okay so you know you go to a helicopter fun fly and for the most part everybody's getting along and they're talking and everybody's having a good time oh you need a part i got a part you need a tool here here, use use this but you go to a a planker fun fly and you got this group over here giving nasty looks to this group over here right they're all in little cliques (laughs) they're all in their own little groups it's like high school well here's the deal here here's what it here's why that happens with Geritol. <laughs> <Badgesil> sometimes. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I did. I did so that the, the, re- the reason that, that happens, I think, is because within the Planker community, there's very, there's a lot of subsets of Planker, types of Plankers. You got your, your average Joe, you know, 40 uh, Nitro, 60 Nitro, 30 CC Gasser, then you got your more advanced 3D guys with your 150, 200 cc, you know, aerobatic airplanes. And then you got your your warbird guys. Then you got you know your jet guys. And they seem to only get along really well with other plankers that have the interest that they do. Which is ridiculous because they probably already are. They all started from the same spot. Well, here's what I noticed. Now, this weekend, there's a club up in Kalispell, which is about 130 miles north of me. Uh, Glacier RC Club. Very nice field. <laughs> you know, 800-foot paved runway, you know, paved pits. Uh, fantastic facility. I mean, just the most picturesque flying field that you could probably imagine. Glacier National Park in the background. Just huge, hugely very nice very nice field. So, you know, I showed up at the time. I was the only helicopter guy there. Oh, no. And um, there was a, a, a couple of people there, and they all had the big 150cc, 200cc aerobatic planes. And these these guys were super unfriendly. Like, you know, I'd scoot by, and... Hey, what's up? 
<laughs> really? Okay. And they just wouldn't ever talk. They wouldn't they wouldn't say anything. And 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 then another guy would show up with a trailer and he'd pull out a big scale plane. And um or a big 3D plane. Oh, hey, Chuck. Oh, my God. Have seen You know what I mean? Just like you could hear him yelling back and forth and you could hear the beers opening. And I just, I was really not impressed at all. And so the one thing I noticed was the regular Joes there, you know, the foamy guys, the 40cc trainers, or not the CC, but the 40 nitro trainers, that kind of thing. Very friendly. Very friendly, talkative. And then strangely enough, the guys at the field there that showed up, the jet guys, the turbine jet guys, flying those very expensive, you know, fighter jets. Mm-hmm. Nicest dudes in the world. Really? <laughs> just couldn't, you couldn't hardly keep them away from you. They just wanted to chat. And not about their jets. Oh, that was just amazing watching you fly that helicopter. Wow, that that's really cool. I can, you know, they like have an appreciation for the, mechanicalness of a hel- of a helicopter and they don't just sh- poo poo it i guess you know they don't go oh god here goes another helicopter they were it's intrigued by because it. it's it's in you know similar level of complexity to their jets so like you said dan yeah they appreciate the they appreciate the technical complexity of it yeah whereas was, the crotchety old bastards flying <laughs> the 50 ccers it's a big old huge piece of uh wood with some covering on it and a big engine in the front yeah it was just an interesting kind of an observation for me. So anyway, I go to this fun fly, and uh, luckily, by the grace of God, there a guy shows up, and I and I've known Ned for a long time. Uh, I met him a couple of years ago at Heli Pros. He shows up, fantastic flyer, Heli flyer, can really fly. He has a six hundred EFL, and a couple other helicopter guys show up. Rick, uh, some guys that I've known for, up there for a while. And I kind of felt, I finally felt like I was with, you know, I was, I was in communion then. You know, everything, everything was all right at that point. <laughs> so, okay, the first day we got some flying in. The second day, Saturday, was when it really started happening. And, man, I got to tell you, here comes my dog. Oh, he's going outside. Sorry, guys. No show. <laughs> no show no today. Show. No choking dog today. <laughs> And so Saturday, when everyone, you know, really starts showing up and um, uh, didn't really get a lot of heli flying in, a guy can only watch a plane fly around in circles for so long before it becomes <laughs> horrifyingly boring. I'm telling you. I mean, it was cool to see the the nice warbirds, the P-51s, and um, I got to tell you, the jets, I've never seen an RC jet in person, seen plenty of videos as we all have and watching them start them up and watching them take off. Once you got over that, that part of the coolness of it, really quite a yawner, you know, once you get over the speed and the fact that it's a turbine, (laughs) it still flies in circles. It still flies in circles just really fast. Just a little bit faster, (laughs) you know? So the day drew, drew on and, and, uh, you know, I guess it's, it's what they do. And I, I, <laughs> I messaged Nick and it was nine o'clock at night and I'm like, is it bad that it's nine o'clock and I'm in my trailer ready to go to bed already? 
I mean, it just no, no night flying, no sitting around and talking helicopters and no beer drinking to speak of. And no, you know, I don't know, guys. They all went to bed. Yeah. They didn't even hang out. They didn't even. Well, okay. Some of them did, but in their little group, right? You had like two or three little groups and it was like there was a line drawn. Right? Did you sit there and drink bourbon and play bridge or what? I don't know, dude. <laughs> you know when you go to a fun fly and you're like, you know, I maybe could have just stayed stayed home this week. That's really kind of how it went. But there was there is one cool thing that happened today. Today 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 wasn't so bad. And by the way, the you know, it's part of the reason why we're recording on a Sunday night. I literally just walked in the door from the drive home, and um, it's been a long day. So they had a, a raffle today, and uh, decided to throw a buck or two into the raffle. And uh, they go to call out names, and of course, you know, you don't ever really <laughs> expect to hear your name. Grand prize. They call my name, dude. I am now a planker. Yes. Again. Oh yeah, no! What, I won. You get? I won an iMac legal, which I guess means it's big, uh, biplane. <laughs> oh my! Wow! God. Yeah, it's like a 30 cc biplane. It's called a. I guess they call it a Waco. It's W A C O. That doesn't say Waco to me, but apparently that's what they call it. Wow, that's a serious prize then. Yeah, I came home, looked it up. It's like 500 bucks. Oh, so they're, are they sending it to you in the mail? No, I was there. It's in my trailer right now as we speak. Nice. Dude, that thing is huge. So here's the deal. I'm selling all my airplane or my helicopter shit. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> you have fun with that. Fuck these, fuck these helicopters, man. I will laugh my ass <laughs> off when you crash the shit out of that thing. <laughs> are, are you going to build it and fly it? Um... I'm not going to lie. I'm a little tempted to. Dude, it'll cost you like three grand to put all this stuff in that. Are you high? No, it won't cost that much. Dude, I already priced it out. An OS uh, 33cc for 400 bucks. I've got all the servos I need. I've got a radio. Got a receiver. That's true. I guess you don't need anything cool like a gyro or a... <laughs> yeah, I got, I got everything I need for it. Minus a... Minus the, uh, I don't know if my servos will work. I don't know why they wouldn't, but, uh, you know, I don't think it takes that crazy, you know, anything. I was hoping you would say minus the douchebaggery, but apparently you're full up on that. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I I was tempted to, um, there's a guy at my club that is really into biplanes. And so I might have him look at it and see if he wants it, but. I don't know. The more I think about it, I'm like, why not build it, fly it once or twice? Because I'll get bored of it very fast. Well, see, here's the benefit. No one's sending in damn dirty planker stories. So you build this shit, go out there, fly it, and then come back and tell us how much of a douchebag you were. <laughs> I can say, look, hey, now I can sit around and be one of those cranky plankers. No, absolutely. No, I got it. This is okay. I got it. This is a great plan. We all know. How plankers react when a crash happens. Yeah. Dude, you got to set it all up. Like, oh. what was that show? The hidden camera? 
So you set up all this thing and then drive drive it in. in. I mean, don't drive it in like just kind of, you know, little tap tap and then, oh, it did a little tumble cartwheel. I mean, I want explosion. Full throttle, nose nose dive dive. right to the middle of the the freaking runway. Dead stick, wide open throttle. (laughs) Dude. Take and it like 300 feet face. in the air and just nosedive it right in. Oh my god, I don't exactly. start start stand, start dancing around <laughs> holding the radio in the air. I don't have control. You'd have plankers. They're like those goats that when you scare them, they just all fall over and faint. There'd be plankers <laughs> dropping <laughs> like awesome. legs sticking in the air. <laughs> oh man. Oh. That's messed up. But funny. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's kind of a nice looking plane to just throw in the ground like that. Is it? Is it like an ARF, Dan? Like you don't have to cover it or anything? It's yeah, it's, already yeah, it's just prefabricated. A, dude, th- okay, here, okay. Let me let me paint the picture of how big this box is. So, take six cases, or yeah, well, take eight cases of of cool power. You know, it's a pretty big box. Mm-hmm. Set them side by side. Four on each side. Mm-hmm. This box is a little bit longer than those cases and just a little bit narrower than those cases. Wow. That's big. Yeah, that's those a of big us who have plane. never seen eight cases of power <laughs> in person, um, it's just really freaking big. Yeah, it's big. It's huge. I, I, you know, so, you know, I came, when I got home, I was, uh, I'm, I'm just, if I sound a little off my game tonight, guys, is I'm dead dead tired. I mean, it's been a crazy weekend mixed with boring. <laughs> I mean, just just so bored you're tired all the time. And, you know, the agony of hanging out and watching planes fly in circles for like 24 hours. It just really wore me out. So, how many flights did you get in? Um Today I got in quite a few. Yesterday, I got in three. Oh, it's beautiful. I got to tell you, you know, it's just, it's it's quite amazing to go to a, a fun fly like that and know where your skill level is and know that you're not real good, but you're not, you know, I mean, I would say in a grand scheme of things, I'm just maybe starting to step into, I guess, maybe advanced intermediate stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um. You know, you go to a helicopter fun fly and you go you just realize how inept you are. But then you go to a you go to a planker fun fly like that and, and you you don't really do what you can do because you're so nervous because there's a hundred and some people behind you. And yet when you land, you hear this applause and it's just this mass confusion. It's like it's like a it's it's like for for somebody who like is taking a drug and they don't really like drugs but they thought they'd try it, right? Because everybody's doing it. Mm-hmm. And they don't they know they shouldn't like it but for for some reason it feels good. <laughs> so there's just like this <laughs> confusion. It's like a state of confusion. And uh it's it's just it's amazing how easy it is to get those guys to gasp and to get them to applaud. <laughs> You know, it's, I guess if you don't see it all the time, then it's just cool to see a helicopter fly. 
Absolutely. That's why we're all here. Yeah, that is true. That's a good point. And, you know, it's just like anything else. You turn around and you go, hey, thanks. You know, that was a lot of fun. And, they, you know, you you pull your, you go back to the pitch, put your helicopter on the table, and um, people start coming up and they want to take pictures. And they're like, wow, that was really neat. You know, thanks. so then doesn't that take the edge off for the next flight? Because now, you know, it's easy to impress him. Well, you just kind of go out there, do your thing. You're still going to. I've decided that the, that the nerves don't come from worrying about trying to impress. Um, the, for me, the nerves come from worrying about smashing the shit out of my helicopter and hurting somebody. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's the safety thing. Yeah. Because, see, that's my fear. My fear is something bad's going to happen. And I kind of have a little bit of a story about that, too. Something terribly bad is going to happen, and the helicopter is going to fly into the crowd, and someone's really going to get hurt. And so, which leads me to this next little story. It happened today. Um, I was talking with Nick the other day about what I perceived as a tail issue. And uh, I, you know, I I'd have a tendency. I looked over the tail. I didn't notice it. Uh the first uh, flight check. But um, <clears throat> I was talking to Nick about this this unsettling kick, like a small kick, inch or so, random. Uh, but today, after the third flight or so, I was just really looking over the tail going, man, I did because it. it seemed like it was getting worse. So I was looking it over and I started messing around with it. And uh, the grub screw, the, the set screw that holds the the... The tail on essentially was loose. Ooh, and that's those are the fears. It's like if that thing goes crazy and I'm doing something stupid. I mean, uh, there's a the likelihood is it's not going to hit anybody. But what if it does? Holy Christ! That's yeah. for, for me. That's where the that's where the nerves come from, and also too that you, you know how they're going to react if you crash. You know, it's like if there were a bunch of helicopter guys, they're like, oh, it, you should have, that sucks, dude, but it happens. Yeah. But then, you know, all the players, the, they'd be falling over playing dead, right? <laughs> like standing in the air, and then you're, you're responsible for that. Who wants to be, who wants, to, you don't want to be responsible for a planker's, you know, <laughs> feeling bad like that. That's just a lot of work. It is a lot. Of, it's a lot of work to console all those planker's after, after I crash my helicopter. It is a lot of work. <laughs> So, you know, it's just one thing leads to another, and I actually, I found it and flew it again. The tail felt a lot better, so. But, uh, so that was my crazy long weekend, and uh, the week the week prior, I didn't get a, a lot of flying. I was getting a, a T-Rex 700 number two <laughs> uh, fixed from its crash. It's ready to, it's flying again, so. Yeah, that's pretty much about it. Sweet. It's not a good weekend. Except for I'm a planker now, so. You're spending it with the wrong people, Dan. <laughs> That's because you live too far away. I got a big driveway now. <laughs> you, can just come, you can just come park the trailer. <laughs> just park, park my help. trailer? Yeah, help yourself. All right. You got a 30 amp plug in? Yep. You got, you got cable TV? <laughs> we can make it happen. I need my court TV, yo. <laughs> Core TV. <laughs> yeah, you probably need your Kardashians. That's what you need. Well, of course. Who doesn't? I need to see what what's happening with the uh, old what's face. 
<laughs> your plastic face. Yeah, that's probably Yeah. Good. I need to watch him fly his 600s. This is Todd Bennett from Freestyle 3D, and you are listening to RC Heli Nation. I want to, I don't know how quick this, this topic will be, but I want to kind of cover it real fast if we can. We were talking the difference. Okay, we're talking tail setup here. Now you got the Beast X setup, and then you've got the mechanical setup. Mm-hmm. What's involved in the mechanical setup of a tail? Well, I mean, the big thing is that you need to, you need to find, you know, every, every heli has like, it, it's called its, its neutral point. It's mechanical neutral. And it's not necessarily like center on the tail slider. It's more where if you were to put the gyro in rate mode and take, Take that action out of it. So take the corrective action out of the, the heading hold function of the gyro right. out. Where will it stay holding straight? And and for most gyros, that's going to end up being your center point. And then you're working just on finding the limits on either end. Some helicopters are a little tricky because you can actually, and, and I'm still, I'm just stumped why they do this. I don't. I don't understand why some manufacturers make their tail output sh- shaft so long that you can over-mechanically set a limit. I mean, put it past the point where the blades can be efficient and past the stalling point. Like, why even really let us go that far? So then they yeah, give where you these got little like measure. 45 degrees of tail pitch. Right. Yeah, which, which will stall. Some, some of them are out there are like that. But and I, also, I too, they can, why they, do that. they can lock in, too. Yeah, they'll go out past too far, and then the links will fold in on the opposite side. Oh. And yeah, that's, that's, that's bad. Yeah, it's a bad day. So some companies will put, like, little little brass spacers there so you can't go out too far. I, I don't know. I mean, Align has been really good about it. You just max it out both directions, call it good. But some of the more, you know, modeler kit type helis, I'm, I just I don't quite know what exactly their thinking is, but you do have to find kind of a balance. And, and you know, people will, they'll talk, oh, well, how far out on your servo are you running? And that only works when you're comparing helicopters to helicopters. I mean, the same one, same brand, same model, because, you know, you're going for a, resol- a mechanical resolution. How much servo movement gives me X amount of tail blade movement? And you can, there's a lot of different ways to skin a cat there. You might be out at like 15 millimeters on your servo horn, but then that's how much movement you get at the actual slider is going to depend on the ratio of that little 90 degree arm underneath your tail case. So one heli might be 18 millimeters out on the servo horn and it'll have a longer input arm or input side on that little 90 degree a little bell crank back there and have a shorter output. So it'll end up giving you the same amount of actual uh, pitch in the tail blade. So there's just kind of a balance and you need to find that balance for the specific gyro slash five bar system that you're really looking for. All right. So let me just kind of the, the way I used to do it was um, I would literally put the helicopter in rate mode and put it up and hover and just and adjust mechanically 
the linkage for no drift. Yep. Is it still that simple? On it just again, it completely depends on what the manufacturer of the flybarless system wants you to do. B stacks, I still do that on every single one I set up on B stacks. Almost every every regular head holding gyro on a flybar heli, I still do it that way. Right. It's kind of old habit. Now, a lot of these gyros, it simply just doesn't matter. You know, they're they're just not that picky. As long as you get it somewhere close in the middle, then it'll and you set your limits correctly, it's good enough. It's going to compensate for it. But that's that's the correct kind of. You know, if you want to learn the real process to do everything to make sure you never have an issue, that would be the way, unless they tell you otherwise. Right. You know, as I was talking about with the Skookum, they actually specifically tell you to set it up with zero pitch in the tail blade, which is going to require a completely different length on your tail rod. Right. All right. So give me what happens if, if we don't. What are the negative uh, effects of not setting up mechanically your tail? Properly? The most common is going to be uneven stops. So when you do a full full speed pirouette and you let off the rudder uh, back to neutral on your rudder stick, how the tail stops um, at that heading, that reaction can be uneven from left to right. So maybe you'll do a left-hand pirouette. It'll boom, stop, nice on heading. Everything was crisp. But then you'll do a right-hand pirouette, and it might bounce back. So it'll act, when you let go, it will overshoot the heading a little bit and then bounce back to before the heading. It's called yeah. a bounce back. Or it might even drift into the correct heading. Uh, so it can just kind of, you know, a lot of them you can tune that out if it has that option, if you have your stop gains for left and right where you can tune. But it, it's just it's not getting quite as important as it used to be, like you, you know, set up an old 401 gyro. Um, oh, geez, it was like mandatory. I mean, you, you had to go through and, and do that and then reset up, you know, head holding, teach at the center point by flicking your switch on your transmitter back and forth 83 times. And, <laughs> you know, it was a whole little science to it and that, that made it all happy. But the systems are getting a lot more tolerant of it. Wouldn't you agree, Justin? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I agree with you completely. Um, I, I think the biggest advice you can give really is to follow what the manufacturer suggests. Uh, I'm with you, Nick, on the Beast X. It's absolutely something that I always do. If it's a standard fly barred heli with a tail gyro, same exact thing. But other systems don't necessarily say to do that. And, you know, the other thing I wanted to interject, as far as the tail travel goes, um, if you've got a heli that has an output shaft that to you seems a, a bit longer than usual and you're afraid of, of uh, going into too much travel and stalling the blades, what I find, and again, this is just a general rule of thumb, your mileage may vary, but um, I, I, I tend to look for somewhere between five and seven millimeters of travel on either end with the pitch slider. And that usually gives you as much pitch as you need to hold in really hard maneuvers, but you're never going to get yourself in a situation where you can stall out the tail. Yeah, because I think, you know, one misconception, or I don't know if it's a misconception, maybe a mistake, and, and I do this all the time, is when I go to set the limits, and this was even back uh, with the old Align GP750s, I would just literally set the limits 
to the physical limit of the slider. Right. And actually, Dan, I've seen a lot of people that do that too. And you know what? The concern there is not just if you're running it on a, on a heli that has so much travel, you can stall things, but you, if you push it all the way up against the stops and you don't back it off a little bit, then you're putting yourself in a situation where the servo is going to be able to travel further than your mechanical system allows. Then you can either stress the servo itself or you can bend the rod or damage something else in the tail mechanics. So my you big, really got to be fear, careful about that. And my biggest fear is, because I know that on my six, well, the 600 that's no longer with us, I do know that I could literally lock those uh those forks in and lock that that uh those blades in a position that wouldn't allow it to travel back in yeah. oh yeah the pitch that, slider links yeah yep. yeah yeah that's that's, that's a, dangerous. a bad day <laughs> yeah i mean there's there's no coming back from that now you know the, i guess just because you can do it on the bench the other thing to think about is that we don't generally speaking right the bureau rates that mere mortals fly at we are quite a ways from the end i mean we get worried about setting up every last little bit of tailblade pitch but what we're really using it isn't isn't anywhere near there but yeah it is kind of scary to think that it'll go so far it'll bind and won't come back i kind of wanted to i've learned i learned something important this week that i had kind of overlooked before you know um, in doing the review, working on the review on the SK540, I've kind of, it's made me go back uh, because as soon as people started hearing about, you know, that I was going to do a review on this, I have gotten the question. And I mean, I've gotten annihilated on this question from guys at the field, people who can, you know, barely do circuits. And I've had some pro-level pilots ask me this question. How's it compared to V-Bar? <laughs> That's like the number one question. How's it compared to V-Bar? Is, is it better than V-Bar? And then it kind of, it just made me really recap why I don't like that word better. Okay. It, because you have to, you always have to follow the word better up with something. Better at what? or for what, or for who. You know, and I, I'm sitting here going through this setup on the 540, and it's got, it, it actually has three, but I'm just going to kind of toss out the one in the middle and really only talk about, it has a basic software and an advanced software. In the V-Bar world, this would be like Express software and the, and the pro-level software. And so I go through the basic and I'm going through like the wizard. They have this little wizard that comes. You can it, it walks you through everything. It's awesome. If you can read, you can't screw this up because it, it just, it's very cut and dry, very simple. And I'm sitting here going, you know, this is pretty cool. I'm digging this. I've, and I've got experience with, you know, the majority of all the big players in fly systems on the market, with the exception of this one, but it gave me, it gave me comfort and peace of mind that I'm going through this step by step because it was so completely new to me. I mean, I knew no one that flew this. 
um, you know, like at a local field flying where I had messed with it before. I'd never even flown another heli that had it on it. I'd never even seen the software until I was setting up my helicopter with it. And it kind of just took me, it, it brought me back to what it felt like to be new all over again. Here I was sitting here, you know, mildly intimidated by something brand new. And that doesn't happen to me very often. I've been, you know, got a gazillion flights on beast decks and completely comfortable with V-bar and total G. And, and it's just, it made me realize how, how important it is to have adjustability in a flybarless system. You, you got to have the whole package. And I think that that's where some of these ones have really got it right. And then some of them have lost it. You know, I mean, the Beast X, you buy that thing, you pull it out of the box, you go through the setup, you put it on almost any helicopter out there on the market right now, and it flies quite well right out of the box. Yeah. I mean, if I had a dollar for every person that I've talked to that said, well, you know, I, I just kind of adjusted the tail gain and, uh, you know, it, it flew great, so I haven't touched it. Well, that, that's what sells. And, and let's face it, the 80% of the people that are flying them, that's all they're ever doing to them because that's your average Joe pilot. It's good enough for him. Mm-hmm. And, and I had forgotten how important that was you know, to, to the hobby and to these manufacturers when they're when they're thinking about this, you know, all you hear about is, ooh, which one's better? Which one's better? Which one does this the best? Which one does that the best? That really only applies to maybe 10% of the pilots out there. Yeah, the there other, are very it, few people that can actually tell the difference when you're down in the last, you know, two, three, four, five percent of the capability of a fly barless system. Yeah. So it, it was kind of like, Wow, okay. It it was really eye-opening for me because here I was always into tweaking everything and just tweaking. I got to tweak and do this and that. But it's cool. I, I don't even flinch what I set up a heli on Beast X anymore. I mean, people are always like, oh, are you nervous? It's a maiden. It's like, no, not. I mean, it's it's like no other flight. But it's because they really did, they nailed that when they made it. Now, I did hit that point with the beast deck where that simplicity that those basic settings those one of five little lights or four little lights that you could choose from became a crutch you know when you start talking pyro consistency and really tired you know trying to dial out every last little cyclic bobble during tiktoks and yet still regain a really fluid uh, movement during pyro flips and pyro circuits and you know stuff like that you have you have to have a lot of options and that was another thing that i didn't really realize you simply you need to have numerous different things adjustable because there is no one setting that will work for that type of performance and that's kind of where i got with it which was wow I'm noticing some stuff that I simply can't dial out. No matter what, been through all the settings. Um, and so I think that's, 
you know, it, it's really cool that companies like Mikado and, and like Skookum offer these these bottom line, these base, you know, or the express or the, or the base software that goes through just the simple settings that allows you to pick it up off the ground and fly it with confidence that very first time. And, you know, and I didn't go, I didn't go straight for the advanced one, man. I, I went, I'm not going to lie. I went through the basic and the wizard and used the whole deal in the, you know, the tweaker in me was just like, ah, oh, we'll just do the advanced and everything. I was like, nah, let's just go ahead and make sure that it flies first. You know, I, I was nervous about screwing something up. And, and the advantage to these is that, you know, you, you do have that option that once you get it, you build your confidence with it, you get it flying acceptable. Now you can start dialing all of that last little thing out. So it, it was just a really good kind of learning week for me that it's tough. I don't envy these guys. I mean, there is a ton of pressure on both ends of the spectrum and they have to get it both right to be popular and to really sell these because you have to be able to get that end performance out of it. You show up at XFC 3D Masters and, you know, I'm sorry, there's... <laughs> There's only a couple that are going to be up there winning trophies time after time after time again. And those are going to be the ones that you can get that last 5% out of it. But when you go out to your field, nah, there's going to be that other one that just plugs in place right out of the box. Well, and let's face it too, Nick, the, you know, like you and I were talking about before, um, the, the trick with it is that if 80% of the people out there aren't flying like an Alan Zabo or a Turek or who, you know, whoever else your, your favorite pro pilot is. And they're looking to just go out, have a trouble free setup. You know, it takes 10, 15 minutes to get the heli working a couple of tuning flights and it's locked in and ready to go for their style of flying. A any system that can bring that to you is, is very, uh, a, a very beneficial system to have. And like you said, going back to, what sells that sells but on the other hand when you get the pilots that uh that can fly it hard that can push the limits you need that advanced capability yeah yeah I, it's you just have to i i can't even imagine taking a heli and, and being new to fly barless you know not not having someone there to help you with it well dan okay dude here <laughs> You're a great example. You were there. Uh -huh. You you made your Beast X heli by yourself, correct? Yeah. And you had no one to help you with it, like right there, hands on. That's correct. If and how did it go? Did you have any like bad issues with it? No, I didn't. It, <clears throat> no. Well, now, let me, what let me, would you have done if you would have put it up into the air and the thing would have been sitting there like oscillating on the cyclic <laughs> really bad? Well, you know what? That actually happened to me with a 3G. <laughs> okay. So let me, well, let me give you a, a bit of an example. Now, I was a little bit fortunate because when I – I was really reluctant to switch to fly barless. I don't know if some of the listeners can go back to um, even the beginning of the new version when Rob was with us. Rob was a big Beast X guy. He did a bunch of videos on Beast X as well. And um, 
when I when I when he talked me into switching over, it was right before 3.0 came out, and um, I act, actually the first time I had my Beast X, I flew it with the old version. Can't remember two, whatever five, whatever it was. <clears throat> I hated it. I didn't like it at all. Um, the 3.0 came out, and I did have Rob to kind of walk me through some of the setup. But when I went to fly it the first time, it just flew, and it flew fantastic. And I've never looked back. And every helicopter I have has a Beast X on it. But that, I mean, and that's what, that, that's what's so important. And that, exactly, that's, because I did that's have a, v, I, had a I had a V-Bar 4.0, and, uh, <laughs> you know, Back oh, when he you said the magic word 4.0. Well, you and know, what, when, what'd you think about 4.0, oh, Dan? Dude, are you kidding me? It took me three days to just to figure out how to turn the damn thing on. Yeah, 4.0 was rough. And um, it didn't fly all that good. I didn't like it. Um, you know, I read all the the instruction manuals and uh, the, the Mr. Mel guide. And <laughs> do you guys remember that PDF that was floating around? Oh, man. With like 60 steps on it? Yeah, oh, I yeah. flew 4.0. Yep. It, it so, was, I mean, it was a 50, 60, 75 flight to get it tuned. Yeah, well, here's the deal. And actually, Nick, you said something earlier when we were talking today. You, the simple, and where Beast X got it, absolutely, they nailed it. You take the thing out of the box. You don't have to have a lot of flight experience. You, you can just quickly set it up, and it's going to work effectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but but you said something earlier today that kind of got my attention. Uh, it, it you know th- when you're not when you don't have the skills to fly and notice the weird tendencies of a unit, um, like you were talking about dialing out small baubles here and there, cyclic mm-hmm. baubles. You said that um, the the newer guy is not going to notice it. And even maybe on the other end of the spectrum, the super hard stick banger is not going to notice it. Or they're not going to care because they can compensate. And what kind of, exactly. And what kind of grabbed my attention with that was, you know, when you start getting to a point, and it's funny you said that because when you get to a certain point, I actually got to watch, I got to watch uh, Ned fly his, his V bar today. And I was, or this weekend, on his uh, 600 and man was i impressed with how that flew yep it um it just it just looked different in the air with similar maneuvers it just looked more solid in the air it just did yeah no at the time and that's see that's the awesome part at the time we go back to that question, which one is better? At the time that you went fly barless and you put that heli up into the air for the first time, that V-bar would not have been better for you. Exactly. That Beast X was the best. Yeah. For you in your situation. Yeah. You know, and that that's that's what I'm trying to really get everyone to understand is there's it better just really depends. Now the, the cool part is, and, and you know, I keep sitting here talking about B Stex because I think 
you know, V-Bar, V-Bar laid, man, they laid track. They laid the track. It's like they went, they went out there. They stood out in the <laughs> middle of that poker table, walked it out on the table. And was like, here's what I got. And everybody else has kind of been playing catch up in the past. Yeah. But what B-Stex did was when they came along, they went, all right, you know what? It's not going to be quite as good, but I guarantee you that I can make more people like it because of what they nailed with the default setting. Yeah, They only gave you enough to tune what the majority of the pilots would need. So it simplified it down. And that just completely, in my opinion, that really changed Flybarless. Because it brought it down to the to the average Joe, something yeah. that the average Joe could fly and understand, and it didn't turn into this big science experiment. Yeah. Then you take the computer programming out of it as well, and, and man, now you just now you can actually put that in the hands of every single guy sitting at those flying stations on your normal field. Yeah. The cool part is now we're kind of at a spot where it's starting to. We're almost starting to full circle again. Where when you know all the people that have been flying BSTEX for the last year and a half since you know let's say since 2.0 and 3.0 came out and loving it are progressing and they're getting to you know to that point where it's like well I think I'm ready to start experimenting a little bit more. I'm starting to see little things just like you saw. With yeah. that other heli, you know, you were like, wow, hmm, why does that look so good? And, and you start to get intrigued. And, and so now the bar goes up even more. Now these companies like Mikado and like Skookum, who are putting out, you know, top level fly barless units that, that can perform at a, at a competitive and a professional and every last little thing can be dialed out of them. Now all of a sudden they have to do both. They have to make them tailored to the pro because, as we all know, you know, if Joe Schmo flies it, then it must be awesome, right? And that's how you ha- that helps sell. It has to be able to fly like that, but you also better get it right for for all the regular guys. Yeah, you need to make it so those of us over here in the middle of uh, nowhere can get, without the experience that Joe Schmo has can put it on our helicopters and actually make it work without yep. understanding what all of those fancy settings are for. And that's where, see, that's where these basic and these express and these bottom level softwares are. That's what they're great for. They instill confidence. They really do. If they give you, if they give you 30 settings, that gives you 30 chances to screw something up Yep. and, and make your heli fly potentially very bad right off the bat. Okay. They give you six, you only have six chances. And when you get done with those six settings, you go, oh, I feel 100% confident in every single one of those. It is going to fly okay. Yeah. And, and it's going to show, too, when you fly. Absolutely. What they also do that, that helps a lot is you know the simplicity behind the settings. Um, yes. They explain to you what it does in a fairly clear way. I mean, when you get into these advanced menus for some of the newer people in Fly Barless, if you're looking in an advanced menu and you don't understand what that parameter is or how it affects your heli, you probably shouldn't be playing with it. 
until you educate yourself a little bit more. And, you know, again, just like you said, Nick, that's how you get yourself into trouble. You got 30 different advanced parameters. That's 30 different ways to screw up your heli so badly that you're going to want to go right back to square one and start at the basics and yeah. do it over again. Well, you know, yeah. also, too, guys, that brings to the, another thing to, to consider is you got to be honest with yourself. Let me give you an example. And uh, Fred, I'm sorry, but I'm going to use you as, as an example. <laughs> so, okay, Fred's a guy. I fly with the field. And, um, you know, it's typical for guys at our level to not have good collective management. That's just, that's a that's something you got to go through. Mm-hmm. And so Fred just got a beast X and he loves it. He absolutely loves it. Um, and he's always wanting to turn his roll rates and his flip rates for faster, better, more, you know, faster, faster, faster. And, um, that doesn't do us any good is if every time we flip it, we're bogging it. Yeah. So, you know, and that's just an example. I'm guilty of it too. I do the same thing. But the thing is, is, you know, when you listen to these, these, when you read these threads and you see people, you know, <laughs> absolutely praising something or absolutely bitching about something, you kind of got to wonder, are they being honest with what, with themselves as far as their ability? Do you need to, you know, I, I got to be honest, uh, Nick, when you're talking about, the advanced setting on the Skookum, I don't think that I need to worry about that. You wouldn't. Because I'm not, I, I, I wouldn't, I can't tell the difference. I, I couldn't tell you, dude, if I was trying to learn, trying to do a, a half paraflip, I couldn't begin to tell you if I had a slight bobble, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> yeah, the whole thing would it, look like a bobble. If it needed a little more uh, paddle simulation added into it, <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. So what's the, you know, that's the, I got to, that's, that's what intrigues me about the Skookum. And after talking with you, it's like to have kind of that, the ability to grow into something. That's it. That's, that's the big thing. Why? And I am going to criticize V-Bar for this one. They've got a lot of things right, but I'm going to call it out right now. I think that it's absolute crap. You have to buy the top level software. Yeah. I already bought it once. I don't want to buy it again. You know, I'm paying good money for it. Give me all of its capabilities. Let me decide which one I feel comfortable with using right now. Yeah. And yeah, that that's one thing that I, I really like, you know, about the Skookum. And then now all these other features are coming into play too, man. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm sitting there looking at my 700. I have an S-Bus receiver sitting there and a 540. That's the only two pieces of electronic devices sitting on my helicopter. I remember back, like, you know, back <laughs> on my first fly barless once. Oh my God, my nitros. You got a regulator over here. You got your, you know, you got your receiver over here. You got the fly barless system over here. Oh, and then you need your governor hanging off over here. Yeah. Wires everywhere. It's like a everywhere. rat's nest. Yeah. And this is, it's just all, and the setup on the governor is just, God, it, it's simple. That's the thing. Make it work. Now, would I like to see some additional advanced parameters? That's why I've always flown multi-gov. I love it. It works right out of the box with all the basic settings, but you can grow into the multi-gov. You can get into the feed forward on it. 
You know, you can get into the uh, aggressiveness on the gain for the governor, all that stuff. I want something that I can put in the hands of a six-month pilot, and he is going to feel confident installing that on his helicopter, but that in a year, he can still fly that same unit and tweak every setting possible and not have to resell it to buy another unit. Yeah. So and then, to that end, okay, I, I want to bring the listeners up to speed on something that I just learned, and I talked to Nick about it, and I think you learned it as well alongside me, Nick. I feel on stupid. On Beast X, right? Yeah. So I've been flying the Beast X for about as long as Nick has, and I love it. It's on all my helis as well. It's, it's simple. It's plug and play, easy to set up. You guys all know it. But for some of you guys that are more advanced in your skills, as Nick was saying, you may have found some stuff that you want to be able to get rid of or you can't tune out with the basic settings. Okay, you know, the the biggest one for me, and I think a lot of people will agree, is the tail, the Piro consistency specifically. You know, you, you tune your heading lock gain in the parameter menu and there's, it's difficult to strike the balance between getting a tail that's hard or holding really good and hard and one that has clean pyro consistency. So, I, I, you know, like I said, I'm getting my Whiplash E set up here, and I figured I'd just double-check to make sure that I had the right uh, firmware, the most up-to-date firmware on this Beast X that I was going to put on this guy. So I plug it into the computer, get it all set up. And sure enough, it's, you know, I, I had to update it uh, one small version, uh, still 3.0, but it's the 3.08 uh, that I'm sure all you guys are already running. Uh, this one had been sitting around collecting dust, so it hadn't gotten an update recently. So I'm poking around in the software, and I noticed something that, uh, honestly, I'd never realized was there before. And I feel kind of stupid about it, but they have... Uh, user-defined parameter menus. And you can actually go into the software and it, it'll let you use a little pull-down menu and say, okay, I'm going to go with the factory default, which is like the red light, right? You know, you got the, the five different color LEDs. Right. You can choose which one you want to set right there or you can go into user-defined. And in the user-defined, it actually gives you a little graphical scale, a little blue bar, and a number range, you know, zero to 100, zero to 150, and a clicker. And you can click up one point at a time and fine tune those parameters. So, you know, now here's something that I just realized. I told Nick he didn't know about it. I, I feel like I'm ready to go back out and really try to fine tune some stuff and see if I can get the tail to that next level for the beast X. And if that's possible, that's, that's really great. That's that added flexibility that Nick's been talking about. Yeah. And I think it will make a difference. I mean, there's no question that, especially on the heading lock gain on those, you know, it's either like you just go up there all of a sudden, no, it doesn't whip. Oh my God. It whips really bad on the next light. Go back down. That's it. Well, yep. You're sacrificing a lot of the eye gain in that control loop, which is the heading, the heading hold feature of it. And so there, there is definitely room to grow. Um, I'm going to take a, a, a rough guesstimate and stay, say that there's not, they need to add a couple more advanced features to the BSTEC software period um, to be able to tune, I think, as good as the other ones. 
Do oh, I agree. Yeah. You know, to, to hold up against the V bar or the Skookum or one of those. I agree with you completely. Yeah, because there's only a couple couple user defined menus. Yeah, no, I mean what Justin's saying is that a lot of the ones that have lights also have user defined. Yeah, but there's didn't know that you could fine tune them, but they're still yeah, but no the, those how, are still there's still not many of those. There's only yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Absolutely. So that limits the overall flexibility that you've got in getting the control loop tightened right. down to the last. But it is you know, it is extra nine percent. But the ones that are user defined are pretty important. Like again, the heading lock gain on the tail was one that I was excited about seeing. Also, the uh, the pre comp. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, for those of you guys who are running pre-comp uh, or Revo Mix, as they call it in the, the manual on your Beast X, you know <laughs> that the LED-defined version of it is either normal or reverse, low or high. Well, right. if you go into this new menu, uh, new new to me menu at least, you'll find that you can actually fine-tune those for both cyclic and collective pre-comp, which Man. is really great. You guys are noobs. I knew about that. See? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I never bothered yeah, I messing with it because I knew that I, it, you know, it wasn't going to help me any at that because I wasn't going to be able to tell the difference between that stuff. And maybe that, maybe even the fine tuning doesn't really make that much of a distant, a difference, you know, and I think we should be prepared for, it could make a huge difference. Or it might not be that big of a deal, and maybe that's why it just never got that popular and more people didn't know about it. Well, also, too, I think that, you know, one of the big selling points of the Beast X was you don't have to hook it up to your computer, so no one's bothered doing that. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think that was available on, you know, the first initial version. I well, think and it's and just it was. Kinda- it was... Uh, I remember Rob and I actually were talking about it um, before it was available. We were talking about how they were going to make that available. For those of you I remember we were talking about that enjoy using computer uh, interface for some of that programmability that was going to be available. I, well, I never, I never, I haven't, to be honest, I've never looked at it. I don't even know what it looks like, but I knew it was there. Yeah, for the record, uh, I do not like to use the computer. Thing. I don't either. And I'm actually going to get, you do? Oh, no, neither do I. I'd, yeah, I'd no, much rather I, set I it up right there it. on the fly barless system. Yeah. I'm going to get the little LCD terminal for the Skookums to finish up the testing on it um, because I just, yeah, I hate dragging my, you know, zillion-dollar Mac out do it, man. When I was flying V-Bar, their little V-Bar football programmer, oh, it was great. No but laptop, okay. no nothing. Just it's super yeah. simple. That's another. There's another really good point. Could a new person, <laughs> and I know the answer to this, so I'm just Oh, yeah, we've it. talked about this, haven't we? Yeah. Could a someone new to fly barless who, 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 who kind of got it, you know, figured out a little bit, if they bought that football pr- programmer for V-Bar, dude, I no. mean, seriously, you would no. just smash your finger with a <laughs> shovel because it's going to be less painful. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> no. The, huh. Not all of the parameters are labeled the same as what you see in the actual PC software. The menus are different. Now, that all that having been said, if you're a more advanced V-Bar user, it's got tons of awesome stuff. You can literally set a heli up. You can go and level the swash and go through all the setup stuff if you know what menus to go into. 
But you're right, Nick, it's not for a beginner. And that's why in the past, it has always been option A or B. You can make it fly like a pro or you can sell units. Pick which one you want to do. Yeah. Yep. You know, but yeah, it's changing. This this is awesome. I, I love the times that we're in right now with them because it's changing. You go back one version on VBAR, the software was horrendous. I hear the that. The current software is cool. <laughs> I was a huge tweaker and tuner, you know, back about a year ago, messed around with new firmware versions on the Total G constantly. I was pulling Curtis for them. I mean, every one I could get my hands on before they ever touched anything. I've had my heli do such weird shit that it shouldn't even, it shouldn't be allowed to do that. And, and I got very frustrated with it. I went to beast decks at work and that's, I just, kind of sh- I shut that part off in my head. Yeah. But this, you know, doing this review on the Skookum has brought that all back. But I almost feel like, I almost feel like I've been flying long enough now and have matured enough to see see both ends of it. Yeah, well, I I think you're forsaking your your Beast X brethren is what you're doing. Uh, hey, you, you know, feel guilty you about have, that at all? Do you have, do you have any, guilt, I, well, any uh Yeah, I mean, hello, <laughs> I, I I wrote that tuning guide and it's <laughs> like I still get you know tons of people asking. I feel like you know what you should do. You should put a post at the end of that. Just go buy a skookum. Just go buy. <laughs> <laughs> I got the answer to all your B-Stacks questions. No, we're just kidding, guys. Look, I, I love the B-Stacks. And um, yeah. I, at my level of flying, I don't know. Maybe I am starting to get to the point where I could appreciate a little more tuning. But I don't know. I think it would be just academic exercises on my behalf. I don't know that it's going to improve my my actual flying, but, um, I do think that maybe it's, I am going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try one. There's no question. I mean, I really don't have a choice. I actually would love to try another V bar. Yeah. Uh, Because I got to tell you, I was reluctant to switch. And I just said it a bit ago. I I was reluctant to switch. And, um, when I did try V bar 4.0 and 5.1, I just had a real negative, you know, holdout feeling um, I must have been like the guys when they switched over to tail gyros. Like, oh, that does it for you. Why? Why do you want something to do it for you? Why? You, you know. Yeah. So I really didn't give V bar an honest shake, which is funny because I, I mean I'm I feel like I'm just sitting here saying and and I basically am I, I'm okay with it. A V bar will has the potential to outfly a beast deck, in my opinion. I mean, that's my opinion. It does. So I'm going to call it, for me, a better unit. Yet, it flew worse to you because... I didn't understand the tweakability. And, well, BeastX did a better job with all the default. Yeah, absolutely. Bingo. Right there. So it wasn't that the V-bar was worse than the BeastX. It was how it flew on that first Life was what was what made it for you. Yeah, first impressions, man. If the V bar would have flown the way your B stacks did, I probably would still. Why be would him. you fly B stack? Yeah, you know, and, and so that that's the cool part. Yeah. I mean, that's what's going on now. Is that they're finally starting to wise up. 
and say, "All right, I get it now." Well, guys, uh, keep keeping, you know, keep it tuned in because as Nick is continuing with the Skookum stuff, we're going to hear more and more about it. And uh, of course, uh, when Justin gets his hands on the Heli Command, we're probably going to be hearing some more about that. Absolutely, yeah. and we'll we'll probably go back. Uh, just to be fair and accurate, like we've told everyone, you know, we're just doing all this unbiased, with, you know, taking an unbiased view. We'll probably go back and throw a, a V-Bar back into the mix, too. I mean, just because it's been a while since I've flown it. And, you know, I, I'd like to be able to hopefully answer that question, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then when it's all said and done, put your Beast X back in and give it another week. Absolutely. There's in nothing fact, wrong with yeah, that. Yeah, that's why I'm trying to get my heli set up right now while the HC is still in the mail. Because now that I found this advanced tuning portion of Beast X, I want to go and really try to ring it out and get it fine tuned so that I've got a good comparison to the basic and the advanced on the heli command. Sounds good. Looking forward to that. So I'm going to switch gears on us a little bit, guys. Okay. I want to bring up. Um, the uh, the Vegas dude post and we we talked about it last week the donations. Um, <laughs> there are some very generous individuals out there. In just a day or two, that that account grew up well over a thousand dollars. Wow, that's great. I don't know. I did get a PM from Vegas dude, and um, it was at uh, towards the middle of last week and he was traveling and I was very busy and I was getting ready to go and I hadn't had a chance. He left me his phone number. So I'm going to try to get him a call uh, this week. Um, he actually, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, one, one thing that that I don't know if people understand is, you know, we like to help people and it's not necessarily a, p- a pity thing, right? It's we as people, as individuals, we feel better when we can contribute to a cause that we deem worthy. It, it's, it's not only for the person, the recipient, it's for ourselves as well. And, and that's, that's kind of the feeling I got from a lot of people, the, the emails I got, you know, I hope this little bit helps, you know, because it, it feels good to help, right? Yeah. But the cool thing about all this is um, Vegas dude, and he's, uh, he's, he doesn't want to use this money to get a helicopter because he can afford it. Um, he's, he's on his trip now. He he's going to use this money to try to, and I can completely understand because you know, we all in some little way we want to leave our mark, our legacy, uh, a reason for people to remember us, and of course he wants to be involved in um, breaking a world record, and that's the most helicopters hovering. Uh, at one time, and that's going to happen there in Las Vegas at the Fun Fly in May, I believe. So he's going to use that money to to somehow accomplish this task. And I don't, the details of how that's going to happen, what he's going to do, as soon as I know, we'll talk about it. Um, but I just wanted to say real quick thank you to everybody that donated. And 
I haven't checked. I, like I said, I just got home. I haven't checked the account since last Thursday. And it was like $1,100 then. So I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I'll check it here when we get done. But, you know, kudos, guys. Good job. You know, what can I say? Thanks. Thanks for answering the call. You know? Yeah. That's kind of a cool thing. Very cool. Absolutely. And so uh, the big question, is RC Hilly Nation going to make it to Othello in three weeks? It's not even three weeks now, is it, guys? Two weeks. No, two weeks. Two weeks. I'm thinking yes. I'm thinking we need to go to do one last uh, live recording of the year. Yeah. And really send it off and just do a... Because those are so much fun, you guys. When we get a chance to sit six or so people down, throw them in front of mics, crack open a few adult beverages, and just let it go, man, is that fun. Don't you think, Nick? Oh, yeah. Man, that's just... <laughs> yeah. I never would have really understood. I never would have got to experience Kurt. Oh, if we wouldn't have done that. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you brought that up. Oh, man, I get a call on Sunday. Not this Sunday, the Sunday last. <laughs> and uh, it's Kurt. And uh, he's he is he is just, he is in geekdom heaven. I mean, he's just, his his the, the pitch of his voice is real high, you know? He's like, yeah. oh, man, I'm in geek heaven right now. I'm like, what'd you do? Did you open up a Facebook account? You know? I don't know. So what he did, uh, and he was all excited about it. He, he um, back to his quads. He got he completed his first autonomous, completely autonomous flight with a quad, and he was he was like a little schoolgirl. Uh, he he programmed in the waypoints, turned it on, <laughs> stood. He said he stood behind his truck because he didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> And uh, it did its thing. It, it flew around the 20 acres there at Heli Pros for a few minutes and came back and landed right where he told it to. He said it was the coolest thing in the world. But <laughs> I said, uh, you know, he was, he, I mean, I mean, think about it. <laughs> he, he called me. I mean, he, he must have been sitting there going, oh, my God, who can I call that? We'll understand. Yeah. Who can I call? Yeah. I mean, he tr- must try to call Larry, and Larry didn't answer. Because, I mean, I really, I came up, the guy who makes fun of him for flying quads, <laughs> Yeah, I came to mind, so he calls me, it was funny. Uh, you know, I'm happy for the guy, I guess, but... It's the little thing. Little things in life. Anyway, guys, well, this has been kind of a long one. We get into a conversation about fly bar lists, and we can just kind of keep going and going and going, I think. Yeah, but, uh, I, it, it's easy for I to get diarrhea of the mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all righty guys if you wanted to get in touch with me you can do that at dan at rcalienation.com or dan k read on all the forums nick if i wanted to get in touch with you how would i do that shoot me an email at nick at rcalienation.com or you can snag me on most all the forums as nwm tech and justin how would i get in touch with you if i needed to you could shoot me an email at justin at mac.com or catch me at justin pucci on all the forums Sounds real good. And remember, guys, you can get in touch with Jake at jake at rchillynation.com or you can get him on the uh, I am there on our page. 
Well, that's uh, episode number 51, guys. We sure hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. And have a good week. We will see you guys next Monday. Crash him if you got him. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation, LLC. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion, send us an email using the Contact Us link on the homepage. If you'd like to make a donation, there's a Donate Now button on our homepage as well. 